Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you that the Los Angeles Chargers rely on Bose QC35 headphones 2 to block out distractions and focus on what matters most. The same powerful noise-canceling technology helps you concentrate on your music, your work, maybe this podcast, or whatever you're passionate about. Learn more at Bose.com slash Chargers. Bose, the official headphones of the Los Angeles Chargers. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a bi-week edition of Chargers Weekly. A bit later, Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports shares some Week 8 fantasy advice. What to do with Melvin Gordon, Phillip Rivers, and Keenan Allen all off this week. But first, NFL Media's Greg Rosenthal joins me to discuss these 5-2 and two Chargers and what to expect from the rest of the AFC West. Alright, now on the line, Greg Rosenthal of NFL Network and Greg, I always appreciate the time. I feel like we were just doing this at training camp in August, and now here we are entering week eight, man. It's unbelievable. It is, and I remember being really out on a limb with my um, overzealous Chargers enthusiasm <laughs> yes. and optimism there, but here we are during the bye week, and uh, it's looking pretty good. Well, they, they've proven you right so far, and you know I want to get into your reaction to really everything that's happened in this crazy league through the first seven weeks. But the obvious starting point on this podcast is the Chargers. And you mentioned they're five and two, two big time wins on the road. The latest being that 2019 thriller in London, they're rolling Greg. And I think you wrote about it. Phillip rivers having a lights out start to the season. Yeah. And that's the key is week after week, they have something that they can count on. And that's an explosive passing game. Uh, a quarterback who can make big plays, whether he's protected well or not. And in this season, a dynamic you know, running back duo that is as good as, as any duo in the league. And, and when you have that constant, it gives you a chance to win some of these close games. I don't necessarily think the Chargers have looked that much better than previous years. They've, they've gotten a few breaks. This might, you know, in other years, I would have said their record was worse than they really are. This year, you know, I think they, they're a little fortunate to be five and two, but they've had a funny schedule where they've played some poor teams. Uh, they've played the two, the two best teams in the league. And yep. I, I think they just have to be happy to kind of situate themselves at this point in five and two and feel good about a lot of their roster to move forward to, to the time of the year that frankly matters. You know, you just want to be in position when you get to Thanksgiving to, to make a run. Well, I tell you, I was on this road trip with these guys, and, and I think regardless of the opponent, it, it's always hard to be on the road in a different environment for 10 days like these guys were. And, you know, the, yep. the game in Cleveland, I think the Browns have been in every game this year. I think every game's been decided by four points or fewer, except for the Chargers game. They won by 24. And then that Titans team is frisky. That defense is good. They were coming off a loss, so you knew you were going to get your best from Tennessee. So to have a four-game winning streak entering the bye, I think it's as good as you can ask for. And you mentioned the fact that they lost to the two best teams in the league and the, the Chiefs and the Rams. Right, and, and that's the thing. You're, you're trying to improve your weaknesses. You know, they've had some protection issue uh, at right tackle on the right side. They've certainly given up yards uh, on defense during spurts. But beating teams that are struggling a little bit, and you're right, the Browns win was the most impressive game of the season. But even the Raiders, and then beating a very game Titans team who I think played well that day, and they've shown that they're capable of playing with anyone. They beat the Eagles. 
uh, winning those types of games, I think, is something you kind of put in the bank and it, it comes out at the end of the season. It really feels like Philip Rivers has talked about it, that some of the momentum, some of the, the confidence they got late last season is carried over. And, and that's what good teams do is, A, they beat bad teams. and Sometimes they beat them handily like they did in the Raiders game. And then, B, you just, you just find a way to get a W in weeks that in the, in the seven, eight, nine games of the season that's going to come down to the last possession or two because that's just how the NFL works. And as, as someone who's watched the Chargers for a while, yeah, I'm sure it feels, it feels nice to come away with wins in those types of games when they certainly weren't the last few years. Yeah, you know, this last week was the perfect example of just trying to win by any means necessary. You know, you, you're without Melvin Gordon, who was a late scratch. Phillip. A couple of quick strikes. It was the first offensive play from scrimmage for the Chargers. Tyrell Williams, 75 yards. The third play from scrimmage in the second half, that 55-yard strike to Mike Williams. You couldn't really play the way that you were playing earlier in the year in that you controlled the clock with Melvin Gordon. You won the time of possession battle. That defense was on the field for a long time against the Titans. And it was just a thrilling finish, man. I, I want to get your reaction to just that, that fourth quarter and, and what Mike Vrabel did and uh, everything that came with it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I was watching that game. I was surprised he went for two. I don't think it was a crazy decision because of some of the reasons that you said. The Titans have done a really good job all day of converting third downs, of staying on the field, of tiring out that Chargers defense. And so in the moment, I didn't think it was crazy to go for it all. I was certainly surprised they threw it three straight times. You know, yeah. they they converted the fourth the fourth and goal, uh, and then they couldn't convert the two two point conversions. I, I would have thought you would have had Deion Lewis or Marcus Mariota running on one of those plays, or at least the threat of it. And I think that that helped out the Chargers. Uh, and the game wouldn't have ended right there. Yeah, you know, if they had converted, people just acted like that was the the game was over. But actually, the Chargers would have had 35 seconds left to try to set up a field goal, and we've seen in the NFL. That's plenty of time, and that, and that's why I feel good about the Chargers. It's an offensive league, it really is. Yep. And so you can you can talk about your defense, and you can talk about everything else. And the Chargers have been better on special teams, which has certainly helped the last few weeks. Um, but that's what I'm trusting week after week is you need to have an offense that's going to put pressure on a defense, play after play, and win different types of ways. And the Chargers are absolutely that team. There's only a handful of teams too, Greg, that I think have the balance on offense that the Chargers have. The Rams and the Chiefs are, are the obvious ones, the Saints. But you look at that two-headed attack, who who was on a ridiculous clip before Melvin didn't play on Sunday. Uh, but not just, you know, Keenan Allen is leading the team in receiving. He only has one touchdown, but Mike Williams has four. Tyrell Williams, the last two games, 118 yards receiving. You're getting production up and down your offense. And the tight ends, I tell you what, when you need a play, Antonio Gates can make a play. Virgil Green has been fantastic in the running game specifically. Uh, so even the tight end position has been a, a strength of this team. You know, I was just talking about that with Daniel Jeremiah last week. Uh, those guys have played really well, specifically in the run game. Yeah, it's so it's so fun to watch. They had five guys going into last week that were on pace for more than 550 yards receiving. So that's that's just what you're hoping for. And I think that the Falcons showed it in their season where they almost won the Super Bowl, and the Chiefs and the Rams certainly do it. If you have five guys who can catch the ball well on any play, you're going to find a matchup advantage, especially when you're Phillip Rivers and Ken Wisenhunt, who I think has been uh, under the radar for what a great job he's doing. And, and Mike Pouncey has absolutely solidified, kind of, I think, uh, the offensive line, not just in what he does, but the protection and, and communication with Phillip Rivers and everything like that. You just hear great things about Pouncey. And so 
it's just fun as someone who's watched Philip Rivers, and I think that's the best story on the board in the NFL right now is a potential end of career Philip Rivers type of run, uh, and it's certainly available right now. It's going to be tough to win to win the AFC West, but we we've seen even if they don't get that done. Uh, that there are different routes to, to making a long playoff run. Yeah, you talk about Pouncey. Pouncey's been tremendous. Philip has been tremendous. It was funny, Greg, last week we were talking about the last time the Chargers were in London. They played Drew Brees in the Saints a decade ago. And then you look at the the quarterback ratings, one and two. It's Brees and Rivers in 2018. <laughs> it's, it's just it's hard to believe that those guys are still playing at an unbelievable level this late in their career. Well, it's a reminder you the quarterback has played from the neck up. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, they they just understand the matchups and they've been able to maintain their bodies and avoid. They're great at avoiding hits. They're great. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers is as good as anyone at throwing under pressure. So sometimes he does take those hits. Uh, but, you know, Tom Brady's still playing well at 41, threes at that level. And then you see this next generation coming up. There's so many different ways to do it. But in a league that's, yeah, they've stuck around, I guess is the way I would say it, long enough to see this sort of offensive revolution, and mm-hmm. they're benefiting because these point guard type of quarterbacks who can diagnose and change plays and make decisions so quickly, are that's what you want. You know, you would love them to have the, the greatest athleticism in the world, but you don't need it. I mean, we, we see that with them, you don't need it. Yeah, Philip can pick you apart, and I think you use the rules to your advantage, right? And that's what Philip has certainly right. done this late in his career also shout out to the the fans in london man i I know i don't think you said you've been to wembley greg but i know you guys were there at the beginning of the year um they love football it was awesome it was eighty four thousand strong so a lot of different jerseys in the stands a lot of chargers fans at at the pubs and and some of the fan rallies that we had um it was an awesome atmosphere i'm curious what it was like for you when you guys went out there uh week one yeah, it's it's overwhelming. The NFL's done an incredible job building up the fan base. So I've been there two different times. I saw the Rams and Giants play at Twickenham Stadium a couple years ago. Oh, that's right. And that game day yeah, that game day experience was was incredible. Like just even people like stopping me all the time going up to the game, like twenty, twenty five times. That would never ever happen in Cincinnati or Los Angeles or, or anywhere <laughs> yeah. else. So okay, yes, it's not competing with Premier League as the number one sport, but I, I would compare it to the way that that soccer in the Premier League is here. It's the the fan base that they have is significant. It's growing and most importantly, like it's really devoted and loyal. So the the fans that they do have are big time fans. They're, you can't be a casual fan there. And so for people that haven't been over there, like I I just really respect uh in, in Americans should know like that the, the it's it's a real thing over there and the fans that they have are like they they are probably more in tune than the average fan here at least on average just because you know it's a dedication you gotta you gotta you gotta stay up late to watch the game you you're choosing a fan you know a team instead of having grown up there it's just a little different it's it's people that are diving in like with two feet it was such a unique experience because i think philip even mentioned it like 10 years ago and gates mentioned it it may not have been as popular 10 years ago and just how much it's evolved and how more sophisticated the fans are in terms of the knowledge of the game and and what to expect and when to cheer and everything. It was just really, really cool. So shout out to London. I I know we were good. I know I was going to just say like when we were out there the first week, I mean, that's the thing is like the season hadn't even started. People are showing up to this sort of fan 
almost like pep rally type of event a day before the season starts it's just to think that like there's excitement about the NFL season started in London. There's no way they could have done that 10 years ago. I know that. No, 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 no chance. Um, Greg, let's, let's get into the AFC West and just spin around it real quick. Chiefs will start there, obviously six and one. Can they sustain this success? They haven't showed any signs of slowing down. The latest example, 45, 10 against the Bengals on Sunday night football. Mahomes is rolling. He's got a plethora of weapons and the defense probably had their best game in the season last week. Yeah, I've said all along I think the defense can improve for Kansas City because I thought the personnel was better than what they've shown. And they have a veteran coaching staff that I just think that they can follow the Patriots' model, which is give up a lot of yards, be ultimately an average defense, but that's kind of all you need. You know, and today, you know, that's, that's, that's okay if you're the top offense in the league. So yeah. I think it's going to be tough to catch up, but you, you're. You're looking if you're a Chargers fan. You're looking at the Chiefs' schedule, and you know the division right now is a little weak. You know you're going to get the Raiders. You're going to get the, the Broncos at home. There's a lot of like wins still remaining on the Kansas City schedule, and you look at those games like the Rams, and you look at a situation where the Chargers are going to have to go into Arrowhead and, and win that game. I mean, I think there's there's no doubt about it because I don't think the Chiefs are going to do what they did a year ago and fall back to let's say 11 and five. I mean, they've already stacked up seven wins here. So, you know, you've got what? You've got nine left. You know, I don't think they're going to go worse than six and three in that stretch. So that means you've got to win 14 games to try to win this division, which is, is very, very difficult. I don't think the Chiefs are going to fall back to the pack too much. Broncos, three and four, they play the Chiefs on Sunday. It's actually the Chargers' next home opponent. It's hard to believe the Chargers aren't back at Stump Up Center until week 11. Uh, they've been on the road. I think it's going to mm. be like 40-some-odd days till they uh, they go back to, to Stump Up Center. They play the Chiefs Sunday. Do you think the Broncos can get back in the mix, or is it just too difficult in the AFC? Well, I don't think they're going to win this game in Arrowhead, so that's going to put them at 3-5. and five. I do think they're a really they're a tough team to figure out. You know, if you look at the football outsiders, uh, efficiency metrics, they're the number five team in the league right now, which is shocking to mm. me. Um, but they've had some results that that looked better in hindsight than you thought. They really dominated uh, yardage-wise and, and everything else against the Seahawks. That was a pretty good win. They played the Chiefs very tough. They've had some good wins. I actually don't count them out in the AFC, where I think eight or nine wins might get you uh, in the mix for that, that second wild card spot. We'll have to see. Like I, In a given week, they're a team that... You know, I think they're right there in the middle of the NFL, if that makes any sense. That that there's, I don't think they're gonna. They have enough talent that I think they they can be dangerous in a given week. Certainly coming to, to Los Angeles. And then the Raiders, one and five, looks like they're playing for Vegas at this point. Greg, would you make this Amari Cooper yeah. trade? I was surprised they could get a first round pick for him. You know, the lack of production that he had the last last twenty games, really going back to last season. So I think it, it made sense. They have five first-round picks over the next two years. Made a lot more sense than the Cleo Mack trade. But you just wonder how you're going to win games. And and you saw a team, I think, in London that was pretty dispirited. And you have a quarterback who's not in Derek Carr, who's not playing well, and hasn't been 100% healthy. And you just expect them to be drafting in the top two, three. And you're expecting to get another win. You know, if you're the Chargers, and you know if you're if you're the Chiefs, you're expecting to, to stack a couple wins against this team. That that they're just it's not a I thought it was gonna be a more balanced division this year and I, I just don't think it's gonna be. This confuses me, Greg. It just listen, I, I get that you're trying to stack picks, but 
if you want to maximize your franchise quarterback's potential, you ship out his number one target. Now, I don't know what that means for for Carr. I, I don't know if that means that hey, maybe maybe he's elsewhere. But it, it's just it kind of boggles my mind that if you want to maximize this guy's talent, especially in in Gruden's offense, you get rid of his number one target. Now, now what is he really left with? Not much. Yeah, you know, Cooper has been Amari Cooper has been up and down, but you're right. He's clearly the most talented receiver. You know, now you have Jordy Nelson, you have Seth Roberts. It's going to be tough to generate offense. We saw this with John Gruden in Tampa, where he'd really got to get sick of the players that he had and always be tra- either trading them away or cutting them. A lot of his best players and thinking he can find better options and ultimately it was kind of a spin cycle where guys kind of kept coming and going and there wasn't necessarily the best long-range planning and if you're a Raiders fan I think looking at that history you have to be worried about that Uh, but you really are just hoping and and praying that that you hit these picks Uh, you know you you hope you hit them better than than the Raiders have in recent years (laughs) yeah uh, biggest surprise through the first seven weeks, AFC or NFC? I think there's been a lot of them, Greg. You know, Jacksonville, actually, I got to give you credit because you weren't as high on Jacksonville going into the year as a lot of people were. Um, the defense has shown a few cracks, but it's really been the offense that just can't keep up. Yeah, I kind of what I was saying with Philip Rivers and offense, I think offense is going to be more consistent year to year, week to week. And Jaguars are playing with you know one hand tied behind their back at quarterback. So that alone, I was like, you're not a guaranteed playoff team if if you don't have much of a passing game. And they've been very up and down with the passing game. Their defense has been good, but not as dominant. It's tough to expect to force that many turnovers and be that exceptional year after year on defense. It just doesn't happen too often. The Seahawks basically did it, but that's about it this decade. And and they're in a fight for their playoff lives. It's not a great division there. I don't even rule out the Colts in that division because I think no, nine not wins is going to get you into the playoffs. I, I, I really do, and they've got the best quarterback. I think nine wins gets you in, in the AFC South. And you, you look at the Colts' schedule too, Greg. I mean, you got the Raiders this week. It's very favorable down the stretch, and you're playing in the AFC South. <laughs> the Colts have played teams tough. They beat the Redskins earlier this year. They almost beat the Eagles. Um, they've been in games, and it looks like they're starting to get healthier and starting to find a running game. I like the way they're coaching. I like the way they've coached. I like the energy that I've seen. They're just a team that looks better than two and five when when you watch them. But they're going to have to figure out a way to pull out some of these games, like the like the Texans game, for instance, that the Colts lost at home. You know, when you're at two and five, in the Chargers were in a similar spot last year. It's just like you have no margin for error. You have to go uh, on a run, and and that's what they need to do right now. You know, going into this year, looking at the NFC, I thought there was like maybe 10 teams that I wouldn't be shocked to see in the playoffs. Right now, it's looking like the Rams, the Saints, a, a few others, and then everybody else. Uh, what do you make of this NFC? The, the Rams are rolling, and, and the Saints are right behind them. They are, and, and the Saints did a good job of kind of getting a few wins early when they really weren't playing that well. I mean, that's it's funny, because that is a team that they they could be, you know, four and three, and they have the the – Parts right now offensively that you're now expecting them to be a factor and do damage in the playoffs but it really took them kind of sneaking out a couple wins early the way that the nfc is shaped up i think really helps the teams like the eagles and the packers who i think still have the goods to to play better and turn it around 
and they really haven't lost much ground for as, as bad as the Eagles have been. And to me, they're, they're among the, they probably are the biggest surprise to me that they're sitting there with a, a losing record. They're actually not in that bad of a spot. So you got to turn it around now, but I think they have a lot going for them, especially on the defensive line. I think they'll get a win against Jacksonville and London and get to their bye at four and four. All right, Greg, we'll get you out of here on this week eight slate. We mentioned the Chargers are on a bye. Uh, what what stands out to you? There's a lot of good games. I look at New Orleans, Minnesota, mm. Baltimore, Carolina, Packers, Rams, Broncos, Chiefs. Um, uh, what are you most looking forward to seeing on Sunday? Yeah, the London game is interesting to me, Jags Eagles, because I just think it's two teams with Super Bowl aspirations that are in desperation mode. But the game I'm most looking forward to is Packers Rams. I mean, I love watching this Rams team in general. They're so I think they're the are the most balanced team in not just in terms of pass run, but in terms of offense, defense, and special teams. Uh, in the defense can be up and down, and you're you're looking at Aaron Rodgers. And, at kind of this go time part of the season coming out of their bye week, I just want to see how the Packers respond to this sort of challenge because the NFC North is open, but it's also deep. You know, there's no losing teams right now in the NFC North, and and the Packers were a team I thought could have been balanced enough to be a real Super Bowl contender, and here they are against you know the number one team in the league. And I, I just want to see how they respond, like whether they even keep that game close, whether they can pull off an upset. I think they certainly have the talent to do so, and so that's. I think if you're looking at the Rams' schedule for a potential loss, like this is this is where you start. Greg Rosenthal, NFL Network. Greg, tell us when we can listen to around the NFL and <laughs> when we can see you on the NFL Network. Yeah, uh, three times a week we're podcasting Sunday nights. Tuesday, what is it? Wednesday, Thursday. It's hard to keep. I feel like I'm I'm more podcasting man right now. I've got another <laughs> podcast. The uh, the Jesselnick and Rosenthal Vanity Project. Oh yes, Central. So I'm just I'm just mostly talking at all points of the day. I'm I finally gotten to the point after 39 years. I'm sick of hearing myself. So I hope uh, I hope your listeners don't feel the same. Greg, have have you got on the broadcast yet? People want to know. <laughs> I haven't. That's the next one. Yeah, our producer Erica Timposi also has a podcast, the broadcast. That's when I know I'll really mean it. I love it. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to tell you. I don't know if you you probably saw. Uh, DJ was trying to find some around the NFL uh, fans mm, in London. I, did, I don't know if you saw yeah. that. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I did. He tried to find people in London that didn't listen to around the NFL, and it seems like he hired some actors or something like that um, uh, of people that said they listened to his podcast and not ours. I love it. Greg, thank you so much, man. I hope to see you soon, bud. Thanks, Chris. All right, before we get to Liz Loza, a quick break to let you know that this season we've taken Chargers Weekly to the next level. That's because I'm using Bose QuietComfort 35 Headphones 2 on air now. The powerful noise-canceling technology helps me black out distractions and brings you the latest news on the Los Angeles Chargers. And when I'm not recording, I always tell you these are my go-to wireless headphones. They help me black out noise. I use them on the team plane so I can concentrate on my game prep. And of course, bring you that next episode of Chargers Weekly. Visit Bose.com slash Chargers to learn more about the most powerful Bose headphones yet. Bose, the official headphones of the NFL. Well, it's hard to believe we're at the halfway point of the fantasy season. And here to dish out some week eight fantasy advice is Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports. Liz, thanks so much for taking some time. How are you? I am great, and it's wonderful being here with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, the pleasure's all mine. This is the time of year where fantasy owners, this is where they earn their money, right? You got four teams on a bye, Falcons, Cowboys, Titans, and of course the Chargers. 
And I figured today would be great just to get some potential streaming options. And we'll start a quarterback because let's say you've been riding with Phillip Rivers and he's had a heck of a start to the year. Who are a few options in week eight that are worth rolling the dice on, Liz? Well, I think that you have to take a look at Baker Mayfield versus Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. They are playing at Heinz Field. We know that Roethlisberger always plays better at home, which means there should be more opportunity for Baker to get involved. Two weeks ago, he didn't have the best showing, but he also hurt himself mid-game, tweaked his ankle, and was losing receivers last week. You know, I feel like the benefit of rolling with the Browns is that they're going to get an extra quarter of action to pad their stats (laughs) nearly every week. So that seems to work in their favor. I think the interesting piece about this matchup, though, is that both teams are better off when they get their run game involved early. And that could be said of any offense, but I think these two in particular, I mean, when you look at James Conner's early production, and then look at the Steelers' win-loss records or how the rest of the games went. That's obviously something they want to do. And Connor, with the whole Le'Veon Bell situation still being a question mark, hyper-motivated to make that happen. I think Nick Chubb looked really good last week. Uh, it took until the third quarter for things to get rolling for him, but he did find his rhythm. So my only worry about that is that both teams are going to lean on the run. I still feel, though, even if James Conner gets early, gets involved early, Baker's going to have to throw the ball, and these pieces are coming together. Um, maybe not in the same way we expected. I'd love it if Antonio Callaway could focus and catch balls because that's his job without Josh Gordon on the field. Um, but I still think, like, Njoku has a really good opportunity here, and I'd like to see Chubb use his hands a little bit more. That's not going to be his primary focus with Duke Johnson on the field, but I also feel like the the Browns told me exactly what they felt about Duke Johnson when they added Jarvis Landry. So at, at quarterback, I, I like that as an option. Um, I'm not as high on Jameis Winston as some people are. Yes, his defense is a mess, but you need the other team to fight back, which is the point I was alluding to earlier, in order for the opposing quarterback to rack up the stats. And we haven't seen Andy Dalton really fight back in the way that we have anticipated, even against Kansas City last week. So admittedly, that was a a primetime game, and we know what Andy Dalton does when the lights are brightest. But um, Jameis Winston is an option. I just almost prefer Baker Mayfield because I'm not as convinced that Cincinnati will give it the go necessary to make Jameis Winston push the ball. Yeah, those are all great options. Liz, I'm going to throw out a couple more names, and you tell me if I'm crazy or not. In the first one, you may tell me I'm crazy, but I just want to put some context behind it. Blake Bortles in London is a different guy, right? The last three times in London, eight touchdowns, one interception. The, the Jags score a ton of points in London with Blake under center. After everything that's gone on, is it worth zigging while everybody else is zagging on Blake? So this is a piece of fantasy that I have to admit I have trouble with, and that's reconciling the difference between reality and fantasy. Blake (laughs) Bortles is not a good quarterback, even if he pads his stats with his legs and garbage time action. Now, last year's game in London, I mean, Mercedes Lewis catching multiple touchdowns, I don't think anyone anticipated that, except for maybe Maurice Jones-Drew, actually. I think he said that on the broadcast ahead of the game. But I'm not MJD. So... um, I don't feel safe with Blake Bortles. I am, you know, it's interesting because I feel like Doug Marone and company don't ever want to challenge him because he has this 
assumedly fragile state of being, right? Like he's never given competition. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't added. So it was interesting to see him benched, which is something the uh, in favor of Cody Kessler last week because that seems so antithetical to what the team normally does. They want to put him in this bubble and they're afraid to, to jar him in any way. I don't know if the challenge of Cody Kessler is going to work or backfire and also the London factor even though history tells us he does better across the pond, I have him as my QB 25 on the week. The Eagles secondary is a bit of a liability, but their defensive line is pretty aggressive, and I imagine they're going to try to blitz Bortles and fluster him as much as possible. So I don't think he's going to get the ball out in time to take advantage of that secondary being set. All right, so we're, we're going to pump the brakes on Blake. What about Mitch Trubisky against the Jets? Oh. The Bears have scored a lot of points. Is, is Trubisky worth a flyer this week? Oh, gosh. This is another one where you have to reconcile the difference between fake and real football. I was not imagining he'd do as well statistically as he did against the Patriots last week, and I was wrong. Uh, I had him outside of my top 12. That was not right. You know, I look at this and I think Tariq Cohen's Cohen's involvement in the offense makes or breaks this offense. And Mitch Trubisky loves to check down to him. So as long as Tariq Cohen is being schemed for, and I don't think that the Jets are going to be able to take him away, I do like Trubisky. He is my QB 12 on the week. All right, Liz, let's move to running back because a lot of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler owners listening to this podcast, Zeke Elliott, Tevin Coleman, also on buys this week. If you need a quick fix at running back, where are you looking? Well, I like Marlon Mack a lot. Uh, He didn't play today or they didn't practice today because of an ankle injury, but he sure looked good last week against uh, an eighth-ranked Buffalo Bills rushing defense. So I think if he's healthy, that's someone that you might want to – Put in. I also like Jalen Richard, especially in PPR formats. He's available in 50% of Yahoo leagues versus Indianapolis. You know, the, obviously, we all know the Raiders have dropped five of their last six games. And in each of those losing efforts, except for week two at Denver, Richard has caught at least, at least six balls. He's Derek Carr's favorite check down option. Amari Cooper, obviously, in Dallas. Marshawn Lynch on IR. I think that Richard will be a key component to that offense. He's already second in team targets to Jared Cook. So I think he's a guy that might be available in your league. And I do think that the Raiders are going to have to chase a lead more often than, than not. I also like Raheem Mostert, um, especially with Matt Burita, who cannot stay healthy. I mean, it would make sense to me that you give Burita some extended time to heal up. I don't know if Kyle Shanahan is going to do that, but Mostert has wowed me. He was undrafted out of Purdue, I believe, He's a, he has 4-4 four, four speed, um, straight line speed, not the most powerful back, but a special teamer who can do incredible things in space. And if you think back to what Kyle Shanahan said about Jared McKinnon over the free agency period, those are some of the same characteristics that made him fall in love with Jared McKinnon and chase him and make him the fourth highest paid running back in the league at the time. So I think that Raheem Mostert, if on the field at Arizona, who are giving up the most fantasy points to the running back position. That is an incredible both buy and daily fantasy. I think he's only like $13 in the Yahoo games and widely available in our season-long games. He is my RB22 on the week. There you go, Raheem Mostert. And that could be a 
a golden opportunity for somebody that needs a streaming running back. Going back to Jalen Richard, Liz, is Doug Martin even an option for you at this point? Well, I have him just inside my top 30. A lot of this, I think he is, He can, I don't think anyone is disputing that he would be able to replace Marshawn Lynch, right? He's not as good. His hands aren't as good. Richard is there. Richard has outsnapped him significantly before Lynch went out. I know that John Gruden would love to make this a run-first offense. I just don't think the Raiders have that luxury. Like, when are they ever going to be like, oh, yeah, we're run-first? When are they not chasing the lead? So can Doug Martin maybe get you, like, 40 yards and a touchdown on a good day? Sure. But I don't want to chase a running back that is so game script and goal line dependent. All right, let's move on to wide receiver Keenan Allen, Julio Jones, both on buys this week. And both of those guys, probably your wide receiver one, you'd probably like to see more touchdown production out of both of them. But uh, you're going to need a guy to fill in in week eight. Uh, who are a few to, to keep an eye on, Liz? Well, this to me depends on league because wide receiver is so deep. You know, you've got like a glut of wide receiver three slash flex options. So, you know, Jordy Nelson in Oakland becomes interesting to talk about because of the potential targets funneled his way. And he's been, you know, sneaky okay over the past few weeks. I prefer someone like Traquan Smith, who has showed incredible upside. Um, Ted Ginn, obviously, on IR. Smith, both out-targeting and out-snapping Cameron Meredith, who seemed to be his prime competition for the number two spot in New Orleans. The matchup against the Ravens, not ideal, but Smith did hold his own. He's at Minnesota. Xavier Rhodes is banged up. I don't know if he's going to play, but he's working through an injury right now. And, you know, having a piece of a same pass-friendly offense always seems like a good opportunity. And also, I think it needs to be noted that because Everson Griffin still isn't with the team, now I know he's practicing with the team, but I don't know if he's going to play this week, his absence has significantly affected in a negative way Minnesota's pass rush which I think should help Drew Brees, who is playing as aggressively and accurate as ever. And then let's move to tight end because it doesn't matter what week it is. It seems to be a revolving uh, door unless you have a guy like Travis Kelsey. And I mean, really beyond that, I mean, who are you looking at on, on a week-to-week basis, Liz, especially this week uh, with some of the matchups you see? Well, I think Njoku, who I mentioned earlier, is probably at least in daily fantasy. I mean, he's owned in like 80% of leagues, but in daily fantasy, I think he's, you know, a a $14 or $15 buy. So significantly lower cost than some of the the, the Kelsey or, I mean, even Gronk's banged up though. So like, I'm not going to overpay for that. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you're throwing darts. Like, yes, let's get Jared Cook more involved. We talked about his targets. Vance McDonald brings an element of physicality to the Steelers' offense that is so um, integral to how they want to play football. He, like, makes sense the way he's breaking tackles and setting up um, chunk yard games for other for Antonio Brown, frankly, to like be uh, to catch a pass in the red area of the field. So I think he is more and more involved. He is just outside. He's like on that tight end one, tight end two bubble for me, that 12 to 14 range. Um, you know, if you want to throw Ricky Seals Jones, who of course got banged up, but at least he played on Thursday of last week, so he's had more time to heal up. I and mean, I think he's like a sleeper, quote unquote, every week and really hasn't turned the engine over. But against San Francisco? Sure, why not? That seems like a possibility. But I think if I want to throw a dart and, and 
I'm not going to put, because as you mentioned, if you don't have maybe one of three guys, you're, you're, you're hoping for a touchdown, yeah, right? Like exactly. they're all pretty touchdown dependent. I think Chris Herndon in New York on the Jets is interesting. He's caught touchdowns, I believe, in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Bilal Powell is injured. Terrell Pryor has been released. Quincy Noon was out for week eight. And Sam Darnold is a young rookie quarterback who is going to have the Chicago Bears pass rush, even with Khalil Mack banged up. That's still scary <laughs> for a rookie quarterback. Breathing down his neck, and he needs a security blanket. And Chris Herndon has emerged as that and the lead tight end on the Jets. So I think he is a guy who's available, you know, probably in around 90% of Yahoo League and only $10 in our daily game. Liz, this is great information. Final thing for you, kind of the, the finishing touches on your lineup. If you need a streaming defense this week, maybe one that you're not, you're not typically starting, who is it this week? Oh, I love the Indianapolis Colts defense. I have loved them since about week two or three. Seeing Marcus Hunt reimagined in Matt Uberflus's system, uh, Darius Leonard, the, the, the kid out of um, that small school somewhere in South Carolina, small school, like he's, he gets like 15 tackles a week. He's, he's incredible. And I think that that is because narrative is so robust, um, even halfway through the season. The Colts are being overlooked as a defense, and they have completely changed. I mean, like I'm mad up to Aberflus for doing what he's doing. And a matchup against the Raiders, that is enough to make anybody cry. There you go. Liz Loza, Yahoo Sports. Liz, where can listeners find all your stuff, both on video, text, everything? Sure. Well, you can follow me on social media at Liz Loza underscore SF, and that's both Twitter and Instagram. Um, Every Thursday, I do a show with Martellus Bennett, James Davis, and Ben Lyons called Mostly Football, and that you can watch on Yahoo Sports and Complex Sports. Uh, And then, of course, every Sunday, 90 minutes before kickoff, I do Fantasy Football Live with Brad Evans and Andy Behrens and Tank Williams. And that is available uh, via the Yahoo Sports app and on your desktop or laptop at Yahoo Sports. And we take live questions and there's lots of stuff on Yahoo Sports and there's lots of stuff in social. I don't know. I'm working every day. Do one of those things and you'll find something. (laughs) Liz, thank you so much. Awesome information for week eight. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Have a good one. And that'll do it. A big thanks to Liz and Greg Rosenthal for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. You can find Chargers Weekly in our new Backstage Chargers podcast on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. We'll be back next Thursday to get you ready for the Chargers Week 9 matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. Enjoy the weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Harey.